0: Hey, 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 off on another epic episode of the Hyper Anomalous Esoteric Research Organization podcast, aka Hero Paranormal, broadcasting from the base at La Madre Mountain, just south of Area 51. My name is Ryan, the anomalous ambassador of the airwaves, bringing you an unbelievable, alchemical, ridiculously hysterical, yet 100% truly epic episode tonight. On tonight's episode, we have the one, the only, Juan Ayala. You probably know him from the absolutely amazing Juan on Juan podcast, but he stars on others, such as Illuminati Confirmed, The Occult Book Club, Mensa, as well as My Family Thinks I'm Crazy with Mystic Mark, and a bunch of others. He was most recently on Tinfoil Hat with my man Sam Tripoli and dropped some serious knowledge, homunculus style. Juan Ayala also has been working on an epic magazine, which is uh, coming at you hard with some serious homunculus action. If you're wondering what a homunculus is, this is what we are going to discuss today. The topic matter is dense. It's freaky. And nobody knows it quite as much as Juan Ayala. He's done the deep research. He's looked at the old esoteric texts. He's gone deep, deep in the occult. And he's done so in a way that is not only fun, but gets the message across. This is going to be a real blast, a banger of an episode. And we're going to get weird, real weird. And for those that want to get weird more often, please subscribe, like, and share Hero Paranormal on YouTube. And if you want to see all the good stuff behind the paywall, please subscribe to Hero Paranormal on Podbean, go to heroparanormal.com, or go to Patreon and look up Hero Paranormal. Your support keeps the podcast coming, keeps us delving into the strange, the fringe, the occult, unidentified aerial phenomena, and of course, all the things that interest us. For those that do subscribe, you know what you're getting. And for those that don't subscribe, you have no idea what you're missing. Also, do me the favor of following Hero Paranormal on Facebook and or Instagram. It helps us break through the algorithm. The shadow ban is real. The extraordinary conspiracy researcher Juan Ayala joins Hero Paranormal for a super freaky, wild talk about esoteric miniature men alchemically produced under the strangest of circumstances. It's not just hearsay. The literature is there. He's found it, researched it, and brought it to us. And these aren't just quacks from the past. These are the brightest minds that the human race has ever seen for their times. Homunculus rising. Here it comes. So fasten your safety belts and prepare to blast off with the one, the only, Juan Ayala. Coming from Florida, the hurricane survivor and esoteric MacGyver, Juan Welcome to the Hero Paranormal Podcast.
1: Yeah, what's up, man? We
0: always have issues,
1: but I enjoy coming on your show. Is it the Skinwalkers or what is it?
0: It's something. There's some, I think it's the little uh, homunculuses in the the system. (laughs) (laughs) It always goes back to homunculus. Homunculus or
1: homunculi are three degrees of separation from any major topic. So
0: a lot closer related than you might think. It seems like it. It, it. This is crazy. So this is such an interesting alchemical enigma. How did you first come across the... Let, let's explain to listeners a little bit what a homunculus is and how you first came across this enigma and just all the hardcore serious research you've put into it is mind-blowing.
1: Well, the the way I came across it was actually reading some Manly P Hall. I was doing I have this other show called The Occult Book Club where we dissect, break down, read ancient scriptures, literature, older literature, 1700s, 1800s. And I came across The All-Seeing Eye with Manly P Hall where it's a ser- it's a journal, it's an esoteric journal. It's just got a whole bunch of occult topics in it and I came across one of his topics in it which was homuncula homunculus i think he called her homunculi and it is a story i'm going to actually look it up here now all seeing eye see. i actually haven't told the exact story that got me into the all-seeing eye the the homunculus topic but it was from the all-seeing eye let me see here i can find it quickly but it's this story about a freemason and of course right a Freemason that. Allegedly creates uh, 10 homunculi, and some of them have the power to uh, tell the future. And here we go. I found it here. So winter. So this is from 1949. Manly P. Hall was writing about it, and he wrote this story here. And every time I go on a podcast to talk about it, I go, "Yeah, let me read the story that got me into it and I never get around to it." So it's good that I'm doing it now.
0: Nice. And
1: so it's called Curiouser and Curiouser. I guess that's how you say it. And then it's called a Department <laughs> a department dedicated to Alice in Wonderland. And the the name of the article or the story is called Homunculi. And this is mainly P Hall, by the way, one of the greatest I think he was an occultist. Some people say armchair occultist, but I don't know. And usually when these guys are studying the occult, for some reason they live for a very long time. These guys are living up until they're 90-something years old. And I Marion P. Hawthorne lived to almost 90 years old. He was murdered, by the way. But that's for not one sure, of the
0: podcasts. for sure, suicided.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He was definitely taken out. So it's this story about Lord Kufestein. And he was this guy, right? Uh, typical Faustian pact, Saint uh, uh, Count of Saint Germain type of guy. Where you know, what the, you know, John Dee? He was conjuring with the evil spirits, and he made a pact with the devil, the Faustian pact for all the knowledge that there was. And he was intrigued with obviously the alchemy. And what really makes this this story or this topic so interesting is because you have various things going on. At once, you have the story of the sci fi fiction uh, idea of creating life from nothing. And then you have the other aspect of it, of the grimoire, the medieval grimoire magic. That really, if you start looking into some of these grimoires, dude, they're so wild and so out there. That really makes you think how I said on, an, uh, I think it was Tinfo Hat, where there was a guy who was actually testing this out, right? It was like, hey, if you get, you know, if you spin around three times, do a backflip, turn your shoe upside down and and sit down crisscross applesauce, you might summon Mephistopheles. There was a guy who probably tried to, do, you know what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. I feel that with it goes back to Pythagoras, where if all is number, it's hinting at a binary code, hinting at a programmer, hinting at some sort of program that's going to, uh, eventually and it's going to have some sort of glitch within the matrix and i think that that's what this type of magic is i think it's glitches in the matrix if you will and i know we did the npc episode and i think we talked about it, about being in the simulation but i do think that there's a way to override that and i believe it's a lost technology i know you referred to it as an elemental technology i, I do i'm on that same on that same boat so we have this count of Kufestein, which he was—he wanted to know everything that there ever was, right? And he was doing deals with the devil, allegedly. And so, he had met a, a high French mason. And he was a Rosicrucian. He was all this, all this stuff. And allegedly, he had in the Masonic lodge—I'm going to read it here—the alchemical magical formula seemed to have been successful and the Count and Abe generated ten mysterious little beings. Each of the creatures, as soon as it came into life, was placed in a bottle filled with sanctified water and tightly sealed. The ten homunculi consist of a king, and this is where it gets weird. The ten homunculi consist of a king, a queen, an architect, a monk, a miner, a nun, a seraphim, a a knight, a blue spirit, and a red spirit. Mind you, this is alchemical, so... You have the monk, you have the priest, you have all that stuff in there, which could be code name. This is what you look at all these alchemical plates where it has like weird, weird things <laughs> in the paintings, in, in, the, in the engravings or whatever it is. And it was all code because I believe that there is a metaphorical sense to everything and there's a, a literal sense. And, and, and this particular topic of the homunculus I think there's two things going on I think there was an actual practice of it as well as a metaphysical and we can get into the, into the two but this guy made 10 homunculi and it continues here Kammerer uh, is not entirely precise in his description but it seems that the homunculi resembled perfect little human beings about 10 inches high one of the descriptions suggests that they were visible at all times floating like undines in the large bottle In another place, however, it appears that these creatures would fade from sight in the liquid and only took form when commanded to do so. Count John was not satisfied with these tiny forms, and a further ritual was undertaken, which caused them to grow to a state of maturity in about four weeks. When full-grown, the homunculi attained the height of 18 inches. So, again, this weird story of this guy with, with a partner there in a lab, you know, mad scientist, and it reminds me. This is what inspired Frankenstein. Mary Shelley's husband, I can't recall his name at the moment, but he was allegedly reading these alchemical scriptures and these alchemical texts, and he was fascinated with them. She was allegedly an occultist too. So this idea of, I don't want to say interbreeding, but but transmuting fiction into reality, we see that all throughout occultism. You have Crowley writing about. The Moon Child, which is another form of a homunculus too, we can talk about that a little bit. But uh, these people were again, they, you know, back to Mary Shelley and the, the the Frankenstein. They were transmuting fiction into reality. They were telling a quote unquote fake story, but it makes you think. During the medieval times, people were stealing bodies from graves, and they were doing certain things with. You, you have the neck, the the typical necromancer. Which is this sorcerer with the skulls and all this stuff, right? You have the typical necromancer, Diablo, the game painted like they control the dead, they animate the dead, all this stuff. All these video games, they all depict them like that. Back then, there was medicinal cannibalism where if you ate the you know the liver of somebody, you would get certain powers or the spirit and the soul were contained in the liver. Or if you ate the eyes of something, you know you could see better. There, there was all these beliefs. It's Galenic philo- uh, Galenic physiology, where each piece of, of body part is attributed to a certain different power, and you can see this in ancient rites of people who would practice cannibalism. Right? If you ate the brain, there's this story that I keep hearing about. Uh, if you think about Dahmer. Right, what Dahmer was doing with the whole skulls. I think Dahmer was doing some occult stuff, mm-hmm. but they, they were never able to prove it. I, that's my personal belief. But this idea of collecting body parts, right, collecting, uh, and, and who knows if Dahmer was trying to make his own Frankenstein. Again, this is rooted in the belief of the golem, which inspired the homunculus, which inspired Frankenstein. So this is, there's, a, there's a lineage that you can trace when it comes to this. But this story of this Kufstein guy. Making these homunculi and being able to, uh, one one of them was able to tell the future, but he only had them at his at his lodge, of course, right? His Freemasonic lodge, mm-hmm. and uh, they so they grew to eighteen inches. The Abe of Geloni not only blessed each of the little elementaries, but seems to have made clothes for them, so that each was attired according to his station. The king had a small scepter and a crown. The queen a diadem, the knight of sword, the architect of compass, the tiny people were most handsome but their dispositions were not of the best. One day while the kindly Abe was barbering the hair and the beards of the gentleman homunculi, (laughs) the monk bit his hand. When no one was around, the homunculi argued, screamed, and bickered among themselves. Their one desire was to escape from the bottles. One day the king did so and it required much time and patience to capture him. So Typical, it makes you think of Toy Story, right, where these little toys are animating. It makes you think of where all these ideas originated from. And it goes on, uh, These eventually the homunculi die. One of them breaks out. They can't live outside of the, of the flask. That's, that's a, some of them aren't able to live outside of the alchemical flask. And I think one of them gets killed. But this is the story that got me interested in homuncula now when i came across this particular person at the time i googled his name and i came across this other thing which is a grimoire the Liber vacay which that's the one with the with the weird weird experiments and some people don't like to call it experiments because it's, it's it's a weir- there's like a weird debate in the community when it comes to, you know, esotericists are really weird, but depending on who you read, there's different ideas of what you're supposed to refer it to. Like, you're not supposed to say operation, you're not supposed to say experiment. I forgot what the guy calls it, but anyways, for the sake of the conversation, we're going to say experiments. When I came across this Vake the number one thing that stood out to me was it, it's, it's a grimoire that John D. had a copy of, out of all people. John D. had a copy of this grimoire. Mm. And there are about, known, I think there's about 16 different types, because the way that this grimoire or this book was, a manuscript was laid out was, they were, they were ne- it was never published, because back again to this, this covering, right? Al- Alchemy is always in symbols and all this stuff they would They would do this. This was underground. This type of magic was underground. Nobody wanted to put their stamp of approval on it or their, or their seal on it because you would die. If you were found with this in the ninth century or whenever you were going to, you were going to be ruled either a heretic, you were going to be burned at the stake, you were going to be killed if people found out that you had this sort of thing. So all the copies that exist, a lot of them are handwritten. And they are... They're insinuating that people would take, you know, there were little pieces of paper, little books, little manuscripts that and it insinuates that people were copying this secretly for their own personal collection or to study on their own. And a lot of the times they're were they they're, they're described as being copied in, in, in a fast manner, right? in a sloppy way, almost like you're taking notes. You, you know, John D. would do that a lot. He would go to different libraries and hand copy codexes or, or books or whatever it was, and then he would have a, a copy in his collection. He had the biggest collection, the, uh, book collection in Europe at his time. He had the, so it doesn't surprise me that he, had, that he had something like this in his collection, the Libre Vecay, one of the copies. And a, lot of the, and a lot of the other times, they would put it in with legitimate works. So if you had a collection of, let's say, medical journals, they would slip in a piece of Libre Vecay towards the end or towards the front or towards the middle to to give it some credit because it was a pseudoscience at the time right and also to hide it i guess right because who's gonna think to look for a a grimoire on you know chopping up a cow into different pieces and putting your semen into it in order to birth this magical man in a legitimate medical journal you know what i'm saying like they were, they were shrouding it with legitimate works and putting it in there. And then there was other copies that were just by themselves.
0: This and, is, and this yeah.
1: book, it, it's... Go ahead. It's wild, yeah. <laughs> it's, dude, it's so crazy, because when, again, that's what... So it went from this Koopstein story to the Lieber of AK. And then the Lieber of AK, because that, that's, the, that's the Mac Daddy, that's what everybody's interested in. It's a book of 80 experiments, and it's posing as Galen writing about a, a work of Plato's. So, again, there was the pseudo-Platonic text of back then where people were using these high minds, uh, pseudo-Aristotelian. They were using these high minds of, ancient, of, of antiquity as pen names in another way. Again, of shrouding themselves in order to not be killed, right, because you're writing about heretical things uh blasphemous things at some points mm-hmm. uh cruel things uh, uh it was it was again i will describe one of the, the the main thing that really got me into it uh virgil he wrote in uh his his work georgics uh, about a ritual called begonia and in that ritual it is you need to it's for the generation of bees and it makes you think of the whole save the bees movement right well back then they understood that putrefaction, when something putrefies, it actually births new life. And that was based on observation, right? It was based on seeing it. If you left a piece of meat out to rot, it would give birth. It would spontaneously generate maggots, which would then turn into flies. So Mm -hmm. by a chicken egg, the chicken incubates it. She's warming it up so the inside putrefies, and it gives birth to a chick. That's what they were thinking back then. That's what they were, that's, what, that's their idea of spontaneous generation. A plus B equals C, spontaneously. Then you have sexual generation where Aris, uh, Aristotle thought that the sperm was the highest of everything in, you know, of, of man. It was all-powerful. And the woman, oh, again, this is, this is Aristotelian biology, the woman only contributed, uh, she was an incubator. She only contrib- contributed the, the matter in order for the sperm to thrive. And that was sexual generation. But then they took his ideas, which came from Pythagoras, by the way, spermism and preformationism, where they thought think the, that a man was the tiny version uh, uh, in a sperm. And then when that would grow up, it would turn into a big man. So there was essentially homunculi, inside the sperm, a little version of a big man in the sperm, they didn't have microscopes. We now know that is not the case, but the scary part about it is that Aristotelian biology lasted well into the 18th century. So, (laughs) you have these guys of antiquity that they influenced biology and, and everything that we know of it to be up until the 18th, well into the 18th century. So, you have the idea of a spontaneous generation where they were like, okay, so if we take the sperm of man, what happens if we put it into different matrices? And matrix means womb, by the way. If, and if you think about it, uh, Neo was kind of, sort of, uh, he was a synthetic human being, but again, he could count as a homunculus in a way because he was, he was artificially grown. But the idea of taking the sperm and putting it into anything else, that's what really paved the way. So uh, we have this idea of putrefaction making new life, generating new life. The, The begonia, back to the begonia ritual, it was a ritual to generate bees. And what you would do is you would beat, you would, and this is kind of graphic, but you would kill a young cow, two years old they said, and you would beat it with whatever you had. Right. You would beat it to a pulp without breaking the skin. Okay, that's the most. You need to beat it without breaking its skin. Now, when you do that, you let it sit, and you come back after. I believe it was 40 days in that particular one, and you would have bees inside of the carcass. Would be birth bees. Uh, you can find accounts of this in the Bible. I forget his name. It was Jansen or something like that, where. Uh, they, they kill a lion, they come back after forty days, in the lion in the lion, there are bees after the fact. This is the Bible. But again, from Greek thought, you know they 're being inspired by those before them. So this begonia ritual, a lot of scholars said, hey that 's not literal. You know beating a, a cow to a pulp without breaking the skin that's, maybe it 's metaphorical, but there's probably that one guy who tried it. There's that one guy who's going to come back and be like, you know what, I'm going to see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know, I, live in, I live in the boonies. I'm gonna not, probably not going to get in trouble for this. And I'm not saying I condone animal violence or anything, but it, the, the, there's, like, there's going to always be that guy. There's always going to be the Florida man to try it out. Now, fast forward to the Libra Vacia, which is 9th century, 9th, 12th century, depend. There's, there's various versions of it. And it, it's written about in the Picatrix, which is one of the greatest grimoires, grotesque grimoires of all time, uh, the Picatrix, uh, it's referenced in there. So in the book, they're posing as Galen writing about a pseudo-Platonic text, right? They're, they're posing as if, if it was Plato's work, the Plato's work. Obviously, we, don't, we know it's not his work. Mm. And in that, there's 80 experiments. There's 40 minor and 40 major and the 40 minor are what the person says it is the exoteric. You know, it's how to do illusions, how to, make, uh, how to make a house where somebody will lose their mind, how to make a house where somebody will die, how to make a house where somebody will have a seizure, how to project armies in the sky, armies of giants in the sky. When I'm reading this, I'm going, that sounds a lot like Project Bluebeam. That sounds a, is, again... Are these elites using this hidden loss technology, or are they using satellites? If you want to go with that Earth model, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. you know. So it makes you think. Okay, that sounds all be specific of you know projecting armies in the sky, projecting giants in the sky. That's kind of weird. Uh, there's how to make lamps that don't turn off. And then, when you get to the major section, which is the more esoteric and occulted, and this is where the homunculus recipes are, and where the there is the fourth experiment of the first I believe first or, or last four, the fourth experiment and and the reason that the book gets its name, the Libre berbeke, the book of the cow, is a a recipe an experiment similar to begonia except. In this one, you are supposed to, I believe architecture plays a big role when it comes to magical workings. If you look at religion, uh, for example, I'm Christian, I don't practice anymore, but coming from a Christian perspective, when you go to church, it, it's looked at as a holy and sacred place. Well, I believe that when you set up a magical practice or experiment, the architecture or your setting right, your set and setting plays a critical role. It makes me think, this, this, this experiment makes me think of Crowley and his Abra Mellon workings, where he was, had to have a house facing a certain direction with a certain number of windows on a certain side. And you do your magical ritual based on that, right? It's a very specific. In the Libra Vecay, it tells you you need to have 40 windows on one side of the building. You need to take a cow. Again, it's very graphic. You cut the head off, you drain the blood, you sew the head back on, you plug its orifices, and you anoint it with after, in, after uh, putting in your seed, if you know what I mean, your sperm, mm-hmm. into this animal. In some other cases, you do need to penetrate the animal. It is bestiality. Again, very dark, very ominous, very nasty. And I think that's why everybody likes this, because it's, it's that true crime, right? the gory details that nobody really talks about. Uh, you know, I'm bringing them up and, and de-occulting them and bringing them to light. So there's various versions. In order to, uh, I'm going to talk about the generation of bees and the Libra vacate. Uh, you're supposed to take a cow, you, you kill it, and then you're supposed to beat its body with the biggest dog penis you can find. Mm. And, yeah, dog <laughs> penis. Okay, that's, that's, that's the kicker. Uh, but it, makes you, it made me think when I was reading I said, how would you know if you have the biggest dog penis? How would you even go about finding the biggest dog penis around? Mm-hmm. So, long story short, you need to take a dog penis and you beat the cow to a pulp, similar to begonia. And... Uh, after a certain amount of days you're supposed to lock up the cow in this house and every now and again you're going to throw powdered bees at it until uh you get live bees and then if you do it backwards you get a live cow so again it's very weird but then it's it gets you the recipes it gives you the recipes on how to make a homunculus what the what the author calls a rational animal and a rational animal is Again, this chimera, this thing where, uh, you know, growing up, e- even in ancient scripture, you have Adam and Eve. There, you know, Adam in the Talmud is a golem. He was made from the dirt, from the clay, and uh, you know, it, it was, a Prometheus makes man out of clay in the story of, in the Genesis story. Again, uh, from from the dust or something like that. Anyways, uh, and, and, and the Anunnaki. Again, using the womb of a, the Anunnaki and the sperm of a, some sort of homo sapien, uh, again, insinuating this idea of this artificially grown human has been around since that time. Now, uh, in the Libra Vecchio, when it talks about the homunculus recipe, you need to, again, same thing, a room with a certain amount of windows, a house with a certain amount of windows. You're supposed to behead the cow or you. Right, a, a sheep or some other type of animal. Uh, there's another one where you use a monkey. There's another one where it's an unnamed animal. And uh, when you make this homunculus after inseminating it, right, plugging it up, letting it sit, there's going to be this gelatinous thing that you're supposed to take out of the corpse or the carcass of this cow. And you're supposed to form it into the shape of a man, and you're going to make this concoction that gives you the ingredients. You're going to make this concoction and you're going to dip the gelatinous being that you formed into the shape of a man into this mixture. And when you do that, it's going to grow skin. And when it grows skin, you're going to take it and you're going to put it in a vessel. And after three days, it's going to get hungry. And You're going to feed it the blood of the beheaded mother, right? The carcass of the cow. And that's your homunculus. That's going to be your homunculus. Now, you can do various things with this homunculus. And... Back to your question at the beginning, what is a homunculus? Homunculus just means, it's Latin for little man. There are various types of homuncula. You have a pathological, you have an alchemical, you have a, a magical. And the OG homunculus was the voodoo doll, which, which we've all seen in movies and whatnot. It is the simulacra of a man. right? A version of... A representation, a symbol of a man. And obviously with voodoo, what do they do in the movies? They take a piece of hair or something where they tie that homunculus to the person and whatever they affect the voodoo doll with happens to the person. That's the OG homunculus. And what I'm talking to you guys about mostly, which is the more, in my opinion, the more fascinating one, is the alchemical homunculus, the little man made through alchemy, which you know, alchemy is such a broad topic, uh, but there was the pursuit for the elixir of life, right? For immortality, uh, the, the 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 pursuit for the philosopher's stone, right? Turning lead into gold, and there was also what I believe was the main goal, the magnum opus, the creation of life, the artificial creation of life, because once you have this homunculus, once you go through all, once you go through all the trouble of getting the cow going through this whole 40-day thing, taking it out, forming it into a man, putting it into a vessel. You could do various things with this homunculus. And one of the things you could do is you can vivisect it, drain its bodily fluids, and anoint your feet and you can walk on water. You could also turn somebody into a sheep or an ape. You could use the... One of them was the... It's heart wrapped in the skin of its forehead and you could be invisible. There was another, again, you're using various parts of its body to do a magi- some sort of magical and attain godlike powers. Again, that's what it's for. Now, according to Paracelsus, which up until the 16th century, we didn't have the word homunculus. The man who coined the term was Paracelsus. Theophasus, you know, bombastus, Areolus, Hohenheim, something like that. Some really long name. His name is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paracelsus, he was a very percu- uh, peculiar person, uh, perhaps homunculus, because he was only five feet tall. And there's a lot of stories pertaining to this guy. This guy was doing public book burnings at his time. Uh, he was, what again, very, he is the father of toxicology. He, uh, we attribute a lot of stuff from modern-day operations who was a surgeon, who was a physician, we attribute it to him. So these aren't people who are just crazy, run-of-the-mill type of people. No, they, they, were, they are pioneers. They are the highest academic minds of their time. But then they're attributed with concepts like the homunculus. So it make, you see the, the evolution of, of the science of the time turning into science fiction today. And I don't, think I don't think that's the correct way of looking at it. I do believe that these things existed, and they've made us nowadays through the mainstream and all this stuff believe it was just, oh, it's just science. It's a pseudoscience. Or do you truly know unless you're trying these sort of things and really going off the deep end because some of these grimoires require you to have the brain of a fresh corpse. So you're either, again, back to the medicinal cannibalism thing I talked about, either you're going into graves, which at one point got so bad that they started to have, they, they, they were selling mummies back then, mm-hmm. and, a, and a body of a mummy would go for X amount of money. And they, it got so bad that they would start to just have the body of a regular dead person, or like of a peasant or somebody that just died on the street, they would sell that as a mummy. Right, because they were making so much money from selling mummy dust because people thought, again, ingesting it would help with their digestive system or it would, give them, it would heal them from X, Y, Z ailment or whatever it was. Because there was physicians back then and magicians, physician, magician, they were the same thing. Now, what I'm talking about with using, the reason that they use nature and animal, it's uh, magia naturales, which is a Christian. <laughs> it's a Christian type of magic because you're not using astral forces to assist you in making this homunculus. No, no, no. You're only using what nature, not uh, uh, naturalis, what what nature has given you and only speeding up the process or vice versa. So you're using the components that is in nature. So it's not it's not demonic, it's not astral magic, it's not talismanic magic. No, it's natural. So Christians they were doing this uh, Paracelsus this is very very religious. There are stories of the Arnaldian homunculus, which was he was a physician and a religious reformer in the in the 1200s. And there's a story, there's stories, because this entire topic gets into the ethical parts of it. You know, the the first human was cloned in in 1997, I believe, and he was half man, half cow. Again, the cow playing a very vital role. It makes you think of why certain cultures don't eat meat, right? Right. So, is it because they, so, you know, in India, they say that they worship cows. So, do they worship them because they know that they have some sort of power? Or, again, because I think that these formula are glitches in the matrix. I think that they are a way to bypass the matrix. Now, now I'm not saying go out and, and get a cow and make your own homunculi. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I do believe that there are, we've talked about it, where the, where the veil is thinner. And there are, I believe there's, there are certain things, certain patterns you can do, like a cheat code in a video game, you know, up, up, down, down, square, circle, and, 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 and triangle, and you have a bunch of money in the game. Now, it's probably a little bit different in whatever real life is, quote-unquote, real life. But you get the point. It's, I, I believe that there are glitches in the Matrix. Now, this Arnaldian. Arnaldus de Villanova, he, uh, he was, again, a religious reformer, and there are stories of him, because it gets into the ethical perspective. It was like, wait, did God die for the sins of this homunculus? This, uh, the Arnaldian homunculus, he would, again, make an alchemical man, an alchemical little man, a homunculus, and as soon as it was born, he would smash the homunculus and kill it. And the reason that he said that he would do it is because he said, listen, I don't know if God died for that homunculus of sin. And I don't know if God is going to possess it with a, a good soul or a demonic soul or if it's an empty vessel. I don't know what's going to happen. So before, that, before it gets to that point, I'm just going to destroy it. So you have this guy, allegedly he was an alchemist, making homunculus and just killing them <laughs> as, soon as, they, as soon as they became alive. So... Again, there are various stories, and it being a vessel, there is there is a scholar, David Pinktree, where he believed that the Liber Vaeque was the most flagrantly demonic uh, grimoire there ever was, and he called the homunculus an artificial demon. So you have people on both sides of the fence of like, hey, you know, you have the crowd that says, hey, you're not using astral magic, you're not using outside influences or entities in order to make this creature. You know what I mean? But then you have the other guys like, no, that's that's an artificial demon. You know, that, that that's a, that you're creating uh, an abomination. You're not supposed to have that. You know, that's not God didn't make that. You know, what I mean, there there are, uh, they call them uh, Jabir, which is J- uh, Jabirian uh, concepts ph- uh, physiology, I think it is. Uh, anyways, the Jabir, Jabirian corpus, which is uh, Jabir bin Hayyan, which is the father of chemistry, he was writing about homunculus, allegedly. Now, somebody called me out on one of the comments one time. They were like, That's not true. If you <laughs> If you don't source, uh, cite your sources, I don't believe you. The only thing I have to say to that person is, You obviously haven't looked far down the rabbit hole enough to find the information I found on this guy, but. Uh, there are over 3,000 works attributed to this guy. This guy was a super prolific writer, and he was the father of chemistry. Okay? He is the guy who came up with the acid that's in your batteries, in your car battery today. Okay? So these aren't guys that are just sitting around mixing things. Oh, these are the highest academic minds of their time, okay? and they're messing around with this. So this Jabirian guy talked about how uh, he could make good homunculi, because right? they're you know, very religious, He's like, hey, listen, any other homunculus is demonic. And yes, there are various things that you can mix in nature to call to what he termed, trying to think of it now, but uh, quote-unquote animals that we haven't seen before. So I think that either they were trying to make these mythological creatures, like the griffin or the minotaur, which you see half-man, half-animal, the centaur, whatever. I think that they were trying to attribute that to homunculus. Now, uh, to fast forward it and to make it a little bit more relevant, because, uh, again, it's a very deep rabbit hole. There's no way I can cover this in, in one hour. You know, mm-hmm. I just, this, is a, this is a two and a half hour presentation if I, if I present it from the very beginning. But to relate it to modern day, because that's, that's where I really want to take it, where Alistair Crowley, Crowley, however you want to say it, whatever floats your boat, he was writing about this sort of thing. In 1916, 1917, he wrote a book on how to make a homunculus. Now, he, he took it, remember I mentioned earlier that a homunculus, Arnaldus de Villanova, he, talk, he talked about it being a, a vessel of some sort. Well, that was an alchemical homunculus. Now we're going to be talking about, I guess you could term it the Crowleyan homunculus. I don't know, whatever. But what Crowley thought a homunculus was, he believed that up until the second month of gestation, after a woman became pregnant, the fetus was just a vessel, and you could invoke whatever spirits you wanted into that body, into the, into the fetus. And it would grow up to be a perfectly healthy baby, except it would have the spirit of this corporeal being in, inside of it somewhere. Now, he, 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 speci- he was specific about the instructions. Which I'm sure the elites, right, the Illuminati types, the lizard, be- the lizard people, whoever they are, I'm sure that they're reading the same things that I'm reading on the internet about the Arnaldian homunculus and, and the Paracelsian homunculus and the Jabirian homunculus because there's different variations. I'm sure that they're aware of the Libra Vake. But I believe that magical systems are meant to be modified to fit whatever operation that you're trying to do. Now... Uh, Crowley did just that. He didn't talk about an alchemical homunculus. No, he said, you take a man and a woman, their astrological signs and their horoscopes need to be aligned to X, Y, Z. They're supposed to uh, coitus, right, uh, for X amount of time when the moon and the planets are all aligned astrologically.
0: Mm.
1: And when she becomes pregnant, you're supposed to keep her in a circle and, and various operations, and you're supposed to invoke certain spirits at certain times. Now you're supposed to do this in the middle of the desert, where he says no rational human soul is there to incarnate again. I don't know what he means by that, but that's what he says in the middle of the desert. And again, it's going to be born. It makes you think of Rosemary's Baby, right? All these movies about giving birth to the Antichrist, whether it's like a, a, an, a really ugly looking baby or if it's uh, you know the energy. You have Parsons, which I believe was inspired by Crowley. Obviously, he was a Crowley follower.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Parsons with his Babylon working, he was doing the same thing, trying to bring forth a homunculus. But for him, it was a femunculus, which is a woman, right? The scarlet, the whore of Babylon. You know, again, because he took a Crowleyan magical system, right? Uh, Crowley's Alamantra workings, Crowley's the Cairo workings, whatever he was doing, he took those systems and he tweaked them to his own, whatever he wanted to do. We have Enochian in there, which is from John D. Edward Kelly. We know that Crowley was a big fan of theirs. He thought he was the reincarnation of Edward Kelly. But they're taking these systems and modifying them over and over and over again. And then you have Parsons, who allegedly tried to make a homunculus, and he allegedly did make a homunculus, which is Margie Cameron, uh, but towards the end of his life, he didn't believe that she was the incarnation. But Marjorie Cameron then took that idea, and she even came up with a cult called The Children, where they tried to make an interracial moon child, which is Crowley's version of a homunculus. And then Crowley later on had his, his book published The Moon Child, which is just about that, about two different, uh, two, you know, a white magician and a black magi- magician fighting over a, a child. And in that book, he talks about how the Greeks, because this idea comes from the Greeks, they, would, they were very particular when a woman was pregnant of what she would watch, what she would eat, what she would listen to, where she would be. So this idea, again, is, is rooted much, much further back than, than we believe. And again, in the Greek times, you had eugenics. Certain, only certain people were allowed to, to breed together. Mm-hmm. Right, which that's also related to the Illuminati and these elites. But fast forward to Crowley, Parsons, you have all these guys. And if you look at Epstein, right, modern day, it's tied it's, it's to modern age as of recently. Uh, also, they, they allegedly, they tried to make a homunculus at the Trinity site, the first atomic test. Uh, there was a the big jumbo Gumbo, whatever the big container was named, mm-hmm. they allegedly had in there uh, what they were trying to radioactively, allegedly, right? Radioactively make a homunculus within that. And mind you, the, the guys before, the, you know, the fathers of that were Parsons and his whole group of people. You have Oppenheimer in there, which Oppenheimer and uh, you know, Warner von Braun was in touch with, with Parsons. But, anyways, these guys were all in bed together. They're all from, cut from the same cloth. And there were, you know, I believe that Parsons, at least, was, was an occultist, a heavy occult, one of the greatest occultists of all time, probably. And, uh, anyways, they try to make a homunculus radioactively with the first. And it's at the Trinity site, right, which is funny, uh, which is along the 33rd parallel, which is also New Mexico, the land of enchantment. <laughs> so you have all these weird things going on. And not too far away in New Mexico from that site is the... Former Zorro Ranch of Epstein, which I think I, I believe it's still owned by one of his uh, sub companies, uh, where they were trying allegedly are trying to get that money to pay off victims of at this place the Zorro Ranch that had I believe it was at one point thirty three thousand check this out <laughs> thirty three thousand three hundred and thirty nine. Acres, I believe, about one point or square feet. Square feet. I'm sorry. Mm. It was thirty-three thousand three hundred thirty-nine square feet, which is weird. But at this, at this ranch, allegedly, he sexually molested a lot of people. They had it was like a honeypot where they were recording people doing certain things. There was an entire room and uh, an entire basement just full of computers, allegedly, full of computers and all this stuff where they were recording elites that would go there royalty that would go there to, to do what you would imagine. And at this ranch, he also wanted to impregnate over 20 women with his seed. And, that, and he, he said that he wanted to breed a super race of some sorts. But if you look at the aerial view of this area, the, the, the house, the ranch, there is a labyrinth. And now that's, that ties into the instructions given by Crowley of how the impregnated woman needs to be... Mind you, this place is in the middle of the desert in New Mexico, the land of enchantment. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere, on 10,000 acres, in the middle of nowhere, nested away in the middle of the mountains. And this guy was trying to impregnate 20 women at once. I believe he was trying to make some sort of moon child in order to invoke this energy into the world, right, to bring on these new eras, these new ages that they believe, the apocalypse, whatever it may be. And if you, want to, if you, want to str- if you really want to stretch it out to go even further, look at what the Kardashians are doing. I'll, most of them had surrogate births. And mm-hmm. if you want to really go there, a, a hermetically sealed vessel can also be a woman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, if there is no... <laughs> It gets very heretical and blasphemous, but there are other theories related to this where uh, I believe that they are trying to have their children born on certain astrological alignments in order to invoke certain astrological powers or whatever. It all goes back to alchemy. And the, the reason I say that is because I was watching the Kardashian show for research purposes only, of course, and when I was I was with my wife, I wasn't by myself. So. When I was watching the show with her, they were boasting about how the baby boy was going to be a Leo, and they were Brad, like, "He's going to be a Leo." Well, it makes me think of the alchemical drag, the alchemical line that eats the sun, right? Al- alchemically speaking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Leo, if you look at the aspects of Leo, they're you know they're outgoing, they're charismatic, you know they're 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 out there, they want to be at the forefront. Which, hello, keeping up with the Kardashians, everybody's. They're mining your energy, you know, you're giving in to the, these egregores, these witches, that don't seem to age, right? They're, they're freaking, they're alchemists, whatever. But I think that they are, they were also trying to, uh, they they are also, are doing this sort of magic, in a way, in a way, because again, again, how I said, these magical systems are meant to be, they evolve over time in order to fit whatever you need them to fit at whatever point in time. So you don't have to adhere by the ninth century grim war no no you can take some of those aspects and switch it around and i think that's why the magic is less potent nowadays because it's like a game of telephone where they've gone through so many iterations that the original source of the magic isn't what it used to be so it's not as potent as it used to be if you get what i'm saying where it's it started super you know the, the the magician, the sorcerer that came up with this idea at first, he had it on point. You know what I mean? <laughs> they were doing what they needed to do at, these, at this time, and then their contemporaries and the people after them that are reading these books that are, that are written down in a hurry, you know, they're missing steps or they're skipping steps or whatever, and you get a whole different, again, a game of telephone. And not only that, but uh, when religious figures of the church or whatever religion would copy down these grimoires, they were omitting and changing up details that they found too heretical or too blasphemous to keep in that text. So how much it makes you think of all the religious scripture, how much of it has... It's his story for a reason. This ties into a lot of things. If the the church ruled it blasphemous or heretical, they weren't going to write it down. So imagine all the things that they didn't write down from these grimoires. That were part of the of the processes that that were just omitted because somebody thought it was too, you know, wouldn't fit their narrative, and you can you can say that about any religion or anything in history, the victor of spoils, whoever is there to copy it over and and keep that that lineage of information going, they're gonna have full control over it. You know what I mean? So, I'm um, I'm sure there's a lot of things that we're missing. A lot of these texts are fragmentary. Uh, there are various. Various translations, uh, and again, it, it, it's a very fascinating topic. And I've, when you look at certain things in modern time, you go, okay, well, there's CRISPR technology. You have Bezos trying to find the elixir of life on, on some article that I saw, where he's trying to live forever. There are people freezing their bodies to, you know, cryogenically freezing themselves in order to come back later. So they're in a way practicing alchemy. You know, alchemy's not dead. It's only changed names. This sort of thing, you have, you have people, who you know, IVF, where obviously there are people who do it for medical reasons, but there's also what I believe uh, the occult side of it, which is the idea of the homunculus, you know, making a person outside of the womb of a woman in another sort of matrix, in another sort of substrate, whatever it may be, they're doing that today. Mm -hmm. They inseminate the egg outside of the womb, and they inject it back into the woman. That is, is quote-unquote, whatever science is nowadays, you know, today. That is not science fiction. That is actual things that they're practicing today. So this idea that the homunculus is too far-fetched or whatever it is, is maybe from the occult perspective, but if you really think about it, they're still making homunculus today, and they're... If you look at it from the, the thing that just locked the world down not too long ago, that's a sort of, of chimera, right, where they're mixing together certain, certain things together, right? Not to say it, but they're mixing together certain things to get a chimera. There, there's talks of, of in, in the Ukraine not too long ago, those super soldiers, I don't know if you saw that article, where they were talking about how there were these super soldiers and, oh, why were they attacking Ukraine? Oh, because of the biological labs. That, mm-hmm. right? uh, uh, so, what is gain of function? All these things. It makes you think, like, hmm. Uh, there was also the biggest shipment of donkey penises seized not too long ago in fr- that was coming from Nigeria to China, I believe. Uh, again, very particular, right? Uh, a shipment, the biggest shipment of donkey penises ever in the history of there's there's an entire market of of an, exotic animal penises. I don't know if you knew that, but there's an entire market just for that. <laughs> Even the uh, because, donkeys
0: are bigger in Nigeria. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, dude. So when you start to really piece together wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This thing is too but uh, everybody's grab this topic is so interesting.
0: Now this is that this these donkeys these these donkey penises that were going from Nigeria, did you say to Asia is that correct to China yeah, to China now, I can only assume that these also are being done for uh similar um prolific uses you know we're discussing uh, it's got to be something along those lines
1: well, they're using it allegedly what they do with them. this is according to the mainstream they. A lot of countries believe that eating the testicles or the penis of an animal brings them fertility, mm. brings them endurance, gives them almost like a natural Viagra, if you will. Mm. And that's what they believe from, again, the medical perspective, the mainstream. That's why they do it. Not because they're trying to make homunculus, but who knows? Because the mm. truth is stranger than fiction, if you, really, if you really think about it. And like I mentioned, there are so many things – Relating to this topic, and I and I gave you guys the crash crash course on the. But this is, dude. Francis Bacon was was writing about this. Uh, you have again Crowley. You have all uh, uh, Paracelsus. You have all these stories. If you look at the the story of Faust, the same thing. He makes a homunculus in that, and he makes it through the aid of Mephistopheles. So uh, it's it's very. The topic of, of the grimoires is one thing. There's a topic of the homunculus is another thing. And when you bring them together, like, wait a minute, so people were actually writing about this? Like, yeah, people were writing about this. They weren't, uh, they, you know, they were trying to hide it. Some people were, some people weren't. But in the Picatrix, every piece of your, every bodily fluid, every, your toenail clippings, your fingernail clippings, everything is used for a magical purpose. And even your feces. There, it gets so dark. And when you start to read these texts, you go, "What in the world? What in the world? You know, what what were these guys doing?" But again, they were they were trying to figure exactly what you and I are trying to do right now on this podcast, trying to figure out what is reality, why are we here, what is this all for? Those guys were essentially trying to do the same thing, dude. Just in their own way, (laughs)
0: you know.
1: They they didn't have podcasts to talk about this. They were in the lab mixing (laughs) things together, real time to live forever. Yeah, exactly, dude.
0: Well, I think it's extremely interesting, and I I do think it's of crucial importance to explore and pay attention to the mythological and the spiritual alchemy that has taken place. I mean, I know a friend uh, who was from Africa, and this guy's yoked. He's beefy. He's buff. And he claims that, I mean, this is not that long ago, he's about my age, and he claims that his parents rubbed him in gorilla bones, like the powder of gorilla bones, when he was a baby. Who was that? Um, A friend of mine uh, from Utah, and he says that this was to get the embodiment of the particular qualities of that animal. And I mean, he is built. And so some of these forces of, na- you know, some of these forces of nature, he's from Africa. And, you know, it makes you wonder if these specific energies of the earth and cosmos can be assimilated into uh, actual, you know, reality. It, I think that it's not far-fetched, as you said, that there's some guy out there doing all the things that are written down. I was just thinking about this today. How many people probably had to mess around just to figure out how to make coffee? You know, Not just picking the bean off the plant, Mm -hmm. but doing it at the particular right time of the season, then grinding it into a powder, then putting hot water through it. It's sort of what you're talking about. It's literally alchemy. How would we ever be enjoying coffee if somebody hadn't done all these crazy things that Mm -hmm. would eventually become the reward of coffee? But through this wild quest, what else did they do, right? Were they beating Mm -hmm. things with these massive dog penises until... (laughs) Until they became this, and the homunculus itself, man. I think that yeah, we're one hundred percent. I think that this this is one hundred percent still happening today because, you know, this is this is biomedical alchemy that is taking place, as you mentioned with the Kardashians, and the rates of IVF are going up. I mean, it's very likely i mean if you look at the rates of natural childbirth versus ivf it is growing ridiculously fast and surrogate mothers as well i mean what is the difference as long as you're doing the same basic ritual what is the true different in difference in mastering it is it just because in modern times it's more accepted to to clone Mm -hmm. because we know they clone animals for scientific purposes do it's you illegal think in a lot of countries not because you can't do
1: it but because you can so it's mm. it's it's illegal why would they make something that's not possible
0: illegal mm-hmm what do you think do you think that's the last time we cloned one here what was it ninety seven or ninety eight two thousand I think it was
1: eve was the name and it was uh with that shady person it wasn't even here it was outside of the of the country allegedly mm.
0: uh,
1: but I believe it's happened i believe it's hap it's probably happened, uh, you know, way before, and, and, I, and it's going to continue to happen again. You don't know what, you know, Black Budgets Matter, right? We don't know <laughs> what they're doing. Look at, look at what the Nazis were doing. And I just did an episode, a full deep dive on MK Ultra, and how that evolved and how, how that started. And that, the, the Nazis were competing with us. You know what I mean? We were sterilizing, well, not we, but the United States was sterilizing and euthanizing people, in the 1917s, you know what I mean? Like the 1917, early 1900s, and the Nazis were trying to compete with us. Like, yeah. hey, we're trying to beat your numbers over there. It's like, wait. But if you look at the, the source of it, Pythagoras was actually the one that that came up with the eugenics. And it makes you wonder why Freemasons and a lot of secret societies revere Pythagoras. And Plato, Republic, he got his idea from Pythagoras. So these guys are piggybacking and they're evolving. So I don't think it's I don't think it's stopping. I don't believe it has stopped, and I believe it's gonna continue and they're just gonna change the name and legitimize it more and more and more, how you're saying. And I think there was a clip today I saw on Instagram where some guy on Tinfoil Hat was talking about how elites use C sections in order to ensure that their baby is born on a certain day at a certain time. So not only are they using surrogates, again, the vessel, the hermetically sealed vessel as a carrier for the, the seed. Uh, that's, that's an alchemical homunculus if you really want to want to get to it, or at least making one in the process. And then they're probably using C-sections in order to make sure that they're born on a certain date to invoke a certain energy or be aligned with a certain astrological sign to bring them wealth or bring them fame or bring them whatever because J.P. Morgan always said, right, millionaires don't use astrology, billionaires do. And I think that they it's all closely tied to that And this aspect of the homunculus is uh, part of the puzzle. It's part of, and it sounds really dark and ominous, but I do believe it's, it's part of the puzzle. It's, it's part, not saying that people walking around homunculus, but, uh, the concept,
0: right? Yeah, I don't think the concept is that far-fetched from a lot of the stuff you see. Uh, you know, we were talking about skinwalkers jokingly, but re- realistically, a lot of that necromancy of robbing graves is deep, deep in all of the texts having to do with all the rituals. And kind of along those lines, something really strange that I found in a small uh, dark shed there at Space Wolf Research was a literally a bucket, one of those massive 50-pound, uh, or no, not even. It's like the massive, uh, <laughs> not buckets, barrels. We found a massive barrel with all kinds of animal parts and slime. And I mean, almost filled to the wow. brim. Yeah, like three fourths full of different animal parts and sealed. And it was in this small dark shed there on the property. And I mean, it wow. was. It just made me think like, what is this? Is this some kind of ritual? Is this something where somebody put this as a, as a gag? But it was fully sealed. Full of different animal parts. Disgusting. I mean, talk about the putrefaction process taking part, right? Mm-hmm. In that. But it makes me wonder. I mean, a lot of the same concepts of making uh, something alive out of something that is dead. And what does that represent? I mean, there's the vessel. There's, And this this goes on and on. I mean, we've seen this in a lot of cultures. But it makes me wonder. I've never heard of anything that large. But talking about the homunculus a lot of the topics that you're hitting on reminded me of that very large vessel in that small dark shed and i mean there was no sunlight able to seep into the shed or anything like that and it kind of brings me back to that liber is it liber vacay you were mentioning yeah liber vacay the book of the cow that's wild man yeah so um it's that's that's crazy i didn't know
1: that you had found that on your property but if you look at the 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 Skinwalker, it's some sort of, again, a thought projection, another sort of homunculus, I would consider it. And also a a Watiko, right? A Watiko is also some sort of, i where you, you know, it's it's, uh, an alchemical, there's certain rituals that you need to do to, again, these processes have changed. And I didn't, I forgot to mention that uh, we talk about cryptids, right? You talk about Bigfoot and all these different things paracelsus the 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 daddy that coined the term homunculus he talked about how when you let a homunculus live and grow up or for you know for the rest of its life it becomes a mythical creature it becomes a uh, a dwarf or some sort of mythical creature so it makes you think of what you know what is a uh, Bigfoot, is it, you know, do they become cryptids? If you think of the concept of a leprechaun, that is a little homunculus. And what is at the end of the rainbow? What, is, what are leprechauns always attributed with? Gold. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, turning the lead into gold. Finding gold, it goes back to Grimoire magic where they use certain spirits to hunt for gold. John D and Edward Kelly were hunting for gold because the angels were like, Hey, I can help you find this gold if you collect dirt from these 10 different spots around the country and bring it back here to us. We'll tell you where to find this buried gold. So makes you think of where the idea of the leprechaun came from. Also a very interesting connection.
0: Totally, man. Your research into this is so deep and interesting. Can you tell our listeners where they can get more Juana Yala, the Juan on Juan podcast, and all of the other things you have going on? You got a magazine. You have a bunch of other podcasts. Uh, yeah, let's just tell them where they can find more of your evidences.
1: Thanks for having me on, Ryan. I always have a great time. And for those that want to hear a full, in-depth, uncut version of the history of the homunculus, you know, for those interested in diving deeper, I did a... What really sparked this off was my interview on Donut's channel, Donut Factory. Mm -hmm. And I did a two and a half hour episode over there on it. And it was similar to this. I talked the entire time. I presented these things, everything from the history of it. And I've been adding pieces here and there to switch it up for different interviews, and I've been just digging deeper. Uh, You can find me at thehawonononpodcast.com, at thehawonononpodcast, on all social media platforms. I do have a publication, The Occultist Monday. You can find it on my website. It's a journal. I call it the Armchair Occultist Reader's Digest. I write about esoteric and occult topics in there. I've written about the homunculus. Uh, And again, I, I go on in depth. I can add quotes I, you know, things that I'm not going to be saying here on an interview because it would just take too long, but long quotes and just just a more in-depth and and written, you know, for from a scholarly point of view. You can find all my work at the dot podcastcom And, yeah, my podcast is anywhere. I have a YouTube channel. You can find the YouTube version on there. And, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. And I really, I, I really look forward to see how the field of home oncology, I'm at the forefront of it, right? And I want to see how it develops over the, over time, <laughs> because people really seem to be gravitated towards this weird, just uh, kind of sickening topic. And I I'm, I'm really happy people are enjoying it.
0: Yeah, I think it's so cool, man. You are doing a great job of it. And Uh, Keep it up because it's so, it's so interesting how it just mixes everything. The esoteric sciences and mysticism, ancient medicine, herbology, theology, it all comes together and alchemy, man. It's just the coolest. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Ryan. There it is. Juan definitely went deep on that one. Alchemical tradition and literature. What is it? The homunculus so much to dig into so much to unpack and no matter how deeply we think we may have gone the deeper meanings to analyze are profound using the concepts we've discovered there's a lot of levels of interpretation being used and to be honest i agree with juan that in modern times the rituals go on the magic continues it's just a matter of whether or not we're able to see the magic, because it's usually hidden and slightly occulted behind fairly obvious forms. M- the modern day elixir of immortality would definitely fall under the more accepted term of transhumanism in modern times. I find it extremely interesting and crucially important to explore with extreme attention, the mythological, theological, and spiritual archetypes in order to understand these similar profiles in modern times. This could link us to the self-realization of what exactly is going on in our culture. Support the Juan on Juan podcast and everything else Juan Ayala has going on. He's one of my favorite people to interview, and for good reason. We just have a good time, no matter what it is we talk about. If you want to keep tabs on the fringe and what is going on in our modern culture, definitely like, subscribe, and share videos on YouTube from Hero Paranormal. Definitely subscribe. It's just Hero Paranormal on YouTube. In addition, if you want to see behind the paywall, there is a ton of content back there. You can go to heroparanormal.com, Podbean, or go to Patreon and search for Hero Paranormal. Your support keeps the podcasts coming. And until next time, keep your eyes to the skies, feet on the ground, and don't forget to take a look around. My time machine, third, I feel like it need blast off. Blast off, blast off, blast off. Come, blast off in my time machine. Third, I feel like it needs blast off. Blast off, blast off. Blast off.